what's happening. Welcome back into the Buffs Nation podcast. Joined, as always, by Jared and producer Ryan. Okay, Buffs Nation, how's morale? How are we feeling out there? Because I've heard it all, and I've pretty much heard everything this week. From social media to TV to radio shows to podcasts. How are we feeling? How's morale? I like to feel like I'm probably feeling better than most. You know, we talked about this early in the preseason before this even started is regardless of how good the buffs are, they have a gauntlet of a schedule. And we're seeing that even play out more so than we expected because the Pac-12 is head and shoulders above the rest of the Power 5 conferences right now, ironically, as they're about to crumble yeah. and fall <laughs> apart. Weird. But this is the best conference, and, and, and I really look at the situation of that game in, in a couple of ways. Obviously, Oregon wanted to prove that CU wasn't on their level. I, I, I think you, you hear the, 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 the pregame speech from, from Dan Lanning. You know that that's what they were trying to do. But also, they're trying to prove that they're a national championship contender. They had something to prove in that game, and they came out and they did it. They proved that in that game. To me, I look at Oregon as a legitimate national championship contender. Hey, it sucks. It sucks to get your dorm look, doors look, blown off. Jared is jumping miles ahead. Jared just hit the <laughs> ground running today. We're going to get there, Jared. I asked one question. I said, how's morale? He goes into Oregon last week. It is up feeling down. Take a breath. So I'm good. Take a I'm breath. Okay. I think this is what's happening to all of Buffs Nation right yeah, now. Everyone's freaking out. But, need- but see, maybe this is me convincing myself, <laughs> but I, I actually feel okay. Are there certain I'm not crazy. Specifics? You're crazy. <laughs> Are there certain specifics that very much bother me about that game that I am really concerned about beyond what we've seen in the past few games? Yes. And we'll obviously talk about some of those things. But I'm, o- I'm okay. Right. You went up against a legit national championship contender, and, and they beat the crap out of you. Yeah, okay. You know, I what I asked was, you know, required a two to three word answer, but that's okay. Have I ever given a two or three word answer? Ryan, how's morale for you? I'm it's great for me. Yeah, it's it look three words. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> we need to remember something. I want to start off with this. We collectively have to take a breath because a few things. One, we played a legit playoff national title contender last week, just like we're gonna play this week. Two, our expectation before the season was a lot of well, our expectations in this room was make a bowl game. A lot of Buffs Nation's expectations was, dang, can we win a few games? Some people were like eight wins. I think they were a little out there. But the point is, a couple weeks will change your entire perspective on the the, the, the program, how we look at CU football. I mean, just, just think about what this podcast was the last two seasons, right? 2021, 2022. It was bland. It, it was hard. We're coming in every week to talk about no, how... Not going to lie, though, about mid-third quarter, I was like, Boy, this feels like a lot. It, like felt, last familiar. Year, <laughs> it felt familiar, which is which is the the one thing I'll say. I didn't necessarily expect that last week because different team, different mentality. I didn't expect them to get blown away. But I just wanted to bring everyone back to let's remember what things were like a few weeks ago. Everyone got caught up. The Buffs were the biggest thing in college football. All of a sudden, one big loss, which happens. And it seems like a lot of people are upset. Now, let's remember that much of this negativity and the loudness and the social media and the posts and the comments, these are all not CU fans. These are people who follow wildly famous people through social media. You know, the Buffs These are the t- same people that were watching the Chiefs game last week because Taylor <laughs> Swift was in attendance. <laughs> you know what? It's actually kind of along the same lines to where the Buffs for a long time, we weren't talked about at all in the landscape of college football. Now, those who don't even watch college football are watching CU. So this negativity, this hate, this all of that you see online, I talked to my mom. She's like, you should see what they're, she's on Facebook, obviously. (laughs) So you should see what they're saying on Facebook and this, that. It's like, mom, calm down. These aren't CU fans. This is the craze that comes with the fame and popularity that is Coach Prime and now that is CU football. So I'm okay with all that. We've got to remember here in the family, in Buffs Nation, I think it's going to be positive this week, which we'll get to, may not instantly turn around, but things are, you know, the sky's not falling in Boulder, Colorado. But let's start there. Reaction to Colorado at Oregon. Obviously, it was a 42-6 to loss. That's six. Came at the end of the game. And uh, I, I was blocked. pretty happy about that, though. I, I mean, you, you needed to not have a goose egg on that scoreboard. That was important. I guess it was important, but uh, <laughs> I don't. I look. I had zero six. I don't know. I, oh no, no, not just like that. You didn't want a goose egg, but to see a team fight and need know that they 
could and want to and still go at the end of the game. There was no reason, nothing to gain from scoring that touchdown except for pride. So to see that this team has the pride to finish a game, I, I appreciate seeing that. Um, what did you think of Dan Lanning, right? His pregame speech, they play for clicks, we play for wins. Because my takeaway from that was that buckle up because this is what's going to happen all year. This is what happens with Prime. You put the target on the back. Teams, <laughs> Oregon treated that game like it was a rivalry game to go to the national championship. I mean, they were all out. So this is the attention that's going to be brought upon the buffs. And look, you got to, this comes with the territory, right? It's new for, <laughs> it's new for us. Yeah. Well, I can't remember the last time, well, you know, Oregon was that excited to play the buffs, but what'd you think about his, the way he kind of said that about CU and Dion? Well, just real quick to touch on what Dion said after the game is uh, better come at me now. Cause this is the worst we're going to be. And, and I think that's well, important to understand that. that, right. Is, is to know that this is what, Primetime has dealt with his entire career. He puts that target on him back because he has that confidence and he's not afraid to tell everyone, which, yeah, when you're not quite there, that's tough because everyone's coming at you. Everyone's going to give you the best. And and clearly what we learned this week is CU is not on that level. They're not quite ready to play with the big boys. So when, when they're giving you their best effort, they're giving you everything they can to beat you, it's going to end up looking like this, a 42-6 to six game. So, so I'll just say that. In terms of Dan Landing and his specific comments, uh, I find it comical. I find it hilarious that he brings in the camera crew to give a speech about how CU is about clicks and not wins in an attempt to get clicks. I mean, this is clearly what he's trying to do. He's getting this attention. He could have turned away the camera crew and said, no, 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 this is a private meeting. This is a private discussion. He wanted the nation to see him call out Deion Sanders. He wanted to because... I think he knew that this was going to be the result of the game. I think he had enough confidence in his team and believed that they were going to come out and destroy them. Well, I mean, Dan Lanning knows what he's doing. Oregon knows what what they were doing. It's the biggest show on planet Earth right now. And, of course, they're going to ride Dion's coattails because he knows. Yeah, well, and every team on the bus schedule should do the exact same thing. That's a good point. Talk it up. Get those clicks. How, how else are you going to reach the athletes that you want? Right. Well, and to my previous point about uh, Oregon really trying to prove to the country that they are legit national championship contenders, how do you do that? You do that in the game that everyone's watching. You know the country is watching you. Mm-hmm. Now you prove your point on a national stage. Um, I, I thought that, you know, like, like I said, I, 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 a lot of people got mad. I didn't have a negative takeaway. It's like they're going to do what they're going to do. He's firing his team up. It's okay if yeah. he says that. I didn't really have a takeaway. I understand, though, if you looked at it and it rubbed you the wrong way. I think Dan Lanning's kind of a little dweeb anyway. I'm not a huge Dan Lanning fan. Haven't been for a while. You know what he said in the buffs in the preseason or in the offseason. Now he's, he wants to play nice. I don't really love that, but is what it is. I just wanted to see your guys' reaction to that. Um, last thing about the Oregon game, what do you both believe was more of a cause? Overall talent or lack of Travis Hunter, right? If Travis Hunter played, is it a close game? Are we looking at another blowout? I mean, no. Overall talent. In my mind, Mm -hmm. Travis Hunter maybe cuts off 14 points of that. Maybe, and that's 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 a a touchdown less, and a tu- you know on defense, and a touchdown more on offense. I I just think fourteen points is twenty eight six instead of forty two six. Absolutely, it's a difference in this game, and that's you know what. And I know you're a professional, being a professional sports better, Tyler. You're probably looking at me going, dude, fourteen points for one that's guy. A that's yeah, a no. lot. That's a <laughs> yeah. lot. And so maybe I'm even exaggerating there. I don't think it makes a difference in the actual uh, course of the game. They dominated. I mean, I think at least for me, I can't speak for you guys, but two possessions into that game after they scored and went up 14 nothing oh, yeah. or 13, whatever it was. The shoulders came down. You knew it. You, you, know you knew that game was yeah. over. I, I looked at my wife and I said, this is going to be a long mm-hmm. game. You just knew at that point that they just weren't quite there. Ryan, overall talent or Travis Hunter? What do you put it more towards? Yeah, it, it's overall talent. Um, you know, Travis Hunter, yeah, 14 points may be a lot to ask from him, but uh, I think the overall mentality of the team probably changes a little bit. Maybe they're not so down in the dumps as quick. Yeah. Um, That's a good point, too. It's but, not just but his listen, Travis Hunter's one guy, maybe two if you count him as a receiver and a corner, um, but he's, he's not going to make the tackles on every single play, which is a huge problem. All right. One other thing to touch real yeah, quick. Yeah, when yeah. we talk about talent, I think it is a very specific position group 
on either side of the ball. It's the same one. It's that it's that O line D line. Mm-hmm. They just lack the talent and, and the we're gonna depth see it every in week. the trenches. Mm-hmm. That that is the unfortunate reality that I think we have learned through four weeks of this season is the Buffs have great talent on the back end of the defense. In the skill positions on offense, they lack that top-end talent in the trenches. All right, some stats from last week's game. Uh, Again, before we turn the page, first downs, Oregon had 30, Colorado had 13. Uh, Third down efficiency, Oregon actually only 3 for 10, which shows you they just had a lot of big plays. Buffs 5 for 14. Total yards, uh, Oregon 522, Colorado 199. Total passing yards, Oregon 282, Colorado 159. And total rushing yards, Oregon 240, Colorado 40. Penalties, Oregon had 9 for 80 yards, Colorado had 12 for 106. CU, no turnovers, and Oregon had the one turnover. So The, the penalties continue to be something that concerns me. That was very, very good week one, and it has been a problem in every game since. No kidding. Uh, all right, let's, let's move on. Uh, Colorado news. If you own a business, know anyone who owns a business, and want to make the most of your money, start using freelancers. Don't waste your money going through companies or businesses to get graphic design work, website work done. Go to Fiverr.com and find professionals who do freelance work for a much more affordable cost. Use the link in the show notes for a discount on your first freelance experience. And I guarantee if you own a business, know someone who owns a business, or you just want to help yourself out with some hobbies, things you like, go to Fiverr.com, get freelance work. And again, use the the link in the show notes for a discount on your first freelance experience. All right, so let's get along to uh, CU News, Colorado News this week. Again, a record-setting game, 12.6 million viewers. That was ABC's second game, or second most highest, uh, second highest watch game, I should say, last five years. Colorado this year is by far the most watched team in the country. And, I mean, look, they've played four games so far. Last game, 12 million viewers. Well, these, these are the peak numbers. Last game, 12 million. Game before that, 9 million. Game before that, 10 million. And then against TCU, 7.5 million, right? The next highest watched game this year, so those are the top four. CU's first games, the highest. The next has 3 million viewers, <laughs> right? So it's 12 million, 10 million, 9 million, 7.5 million. Number five, 3 million viewers. And it was like some random game. And like, I think damn. those of us, like myself, that I watch pretty much. In terms of live TV, I watch sports, sports, and, and sports. I don't really watch anything else on TV, right? And it's it's so telling to me to hear these numbers, and it's so obvious that there are so many non-sports people tuning in this. You don't just get – it's not just all the sports people tuning in to watch this game. This is so many outside people that are watching college football for the first time. This is great for college football, to get new viewers, different markets, people that are not used to watching games. Uh, also, Colorado news, we have to touch on a couple injuries. Travis Hunter will be out again this week. Shiloh Sanders is questionable. And that's a big loss. We'll talk about why coming up here, the the scheme that Colorado is using on defense, but Shiloh Sanders is questionable right now. I don't think he's going to play. I mean, he was in the hospital, is peeing blood. Sorry to be graphic out there, but that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's not usually a good sign. I don't think no. that's supposed to happen. Right. And then uh, finally, we do have a piece of sound here from the uh, recent uh, press conference from Coach Prime talking about one of the main questions we've all been asking, and that has to do with Cormani McLean. And he's the – now, for those who don't know, I'm sure most people do know who we're talking about, but this was the number one overall cornerback this year, maybe even close to the number one overall recruit in the country for a lot of different outs, uh, outlets. Five-star – uh, and he came in as a true freshman, and Cormani McLean is being sat in lieu of other true freshmen who are playing and other players who we didn't think were as talented. Now, in this interview, in this question, or in this uh, clip we're going to play, Sean Keeler, who's uh, writes for the Denver Post, asked Coach Prime this question, and it's interesting his response. Now, remember, again, this is about Cormani McLean and why he's not playing. Right on what you want to see him do, one. And two, did he help his case? Study, late, prepare. Late, late again. Study, Oregon. prepare, be on time for meetings, show up to the darn meetings. Understand what we're doing as a scheme. Want to play this game, desire to play this game, desire to be the best in this game at practice, in the film room, uh, and on your own, free time. You do know that I check film time for each player. Upon the week. Thursday, I need film time from the whole staff so I can see who's been preparing. 
And that's just not about commodity. That's about a multitude of them. So if I don't see that, that it, you would be a fool to put somebody out there and they're unprepared. All right, we can, we can turn Can't that do down. It. So uh, that's obviously, you know, concerning because you want all the players to be in it. But it's realistic. This is real life. Some players are going to be rats in the gym and then studied. Some players aren't. You're not going to get this. You know, I was thinking about this. I go, why didn't they know about this? Don't they talk to coaches? Don't they talk to... But look, Cormani McClain, the number one overall recruit in the country, you think his high school coaches are going, you know, not a hard worker. Well, and let's be honest. He wants him to go to Let's be honest. Prime. He was the best player on the field in high school. He didn't right, have to right. do any of this, and he still showed up and was the best player. Uh, honestly, this was very concerning for me. Last week on the show, I came to Cormani's defense. I said, hey, it's a young kid, hasn't been on the roster for that long. Give him a break. Let him get some time to hear some of the kind of pointed. And I, and I again, I, he primetime even touched on it. This isn't specific to mm-hmm. Cormani. This, he's not the only guy we're dealing with this. But to hear things come out of his mouth, and you know primetime does not ever mince words. You know, he does not say things he doesn't mean. You know, show, show up to meetings? Show up to meetings? That, come on. Come on, you know? Put in the time. Watch the film. Understand the scheme. This tells me this is a guy that's used to being the best player on the field, and for the first time in his life, he's not. How do you respond? And so far, not responding well. Not well. Not well. (laughs) No, not at all. So something to keep an eye on, and that's why we're not seeing Cormani McClain for everyone going, wait a minute, Travis is out. Isn't someone supposed to step up? There's your answer. All right, let's get on to Colorado hosting USC. The Buffs have never beaten the uh, Trojans in all of their meetings, and all of their glorious meetings. Uh, now look, USC is a legit national title contender, and I will say this. I don't want to play doomsday. I don't want to make the sky fall or you know, make it seem like the sky is falling. But if you look at advanced analytics, general narrative, what people are talking about, like USC is by far a more legitimate or more realistic contender for the playoffs in Oregon. Oregon is a contender, but USC is considered to be well ahead of Oregon in that race. So we thought we had our hands full last week. The Buffs are going to come up against a tough opponent this week. Now, obviously, the main difference is it's a home, right? You play at home in altitude. It's going to be a very, very different experience. Whiteout, by the way. Whiteout. I'm not sure about the whiteout. can Can you guys help me with this? So, I mean... White, right? We all got to be. Yeah, wear white I, I have, if you're going to the game. I have the black jersey I show up with every week. That's a no-no. No, you got to wear white. Okay. Wear all white. Right. All right. Yeah. So those are tickets, all right. man. All right. Do we need to go through with that means, Jared? Do you need more, <laughs> you need more steps? I need some color schemes. What is white? Is cream white? Is, oh, is cream? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what about eggshell? Eggshell. Okay. If you could get on board, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but USC is a real contender. Uh, their stats this year prove it. They're running the ball. They're throwing the ball some of the best in the nation. If you look at actual stats, counting stats, they are one of the best teams in the nation at moving the football third in uh, points per drive. And you look at advanced analytics, Colorado is 72nd on offense, 103rd on defense for efficiency. This is called FEI ratings. It measures efficiency. Colorado, again, I'll repeat that, 72nd on offense, 103rd on defense. USC, number two, second on offense, 71st Hmm. on defense. So I will say this. Often, I don't believe the narrative reflects reality for what you hear on ESPN and these talking points from Paul Feinbaum, Danny Cannell, these guys. I think this week it does for this game, right? I think everyone's saying what to me makes sense here. USC, if they are susceptible somewhere, it is defense. Now, Oregon last week, the difference between Oregon and USC, Oregon you would probably consider to be a more well-rounded team, right? They have a very good offense, very good defense. USC has an all-time elite historical offense and an average to above-average Pac-12 defense. That's the difference in these Yeah, very well put. I think that's exactly right, that they are a better offense than what you saw in Oregon and maybe a little bit of a different defense and a little bit of a lower-caliber defense. But let's be clear. Last year, USC's defense was atrocious. This is why that team did not compete on an elite level. That is not the same defense this year. They have definitely upgraded in particular on the defensive line. They have improved. I I, I frankly wish this CU team could play the USC team from last year because I think it could have been competitive because it would have been two strong offenses that aren't playing any defense. It would have been a fun game. 
That's what concerns me. Is USC, it's not the same level of defense from Oregon, but it is still, in my mind, an above-average defense. I know you're, you're, the, the, the rankings are putting them, uh, you know, the adjusted rankings in the 70s, which would tell you they're below average. But in my mind, as they're coming through the season and coming into their stride, they're going to continue to improve as a defense. Yeah, uh, normal stats, USC has given up 20 points a game. That's not much. It's good for uh, 36 in the nation. USC also has 16 sacks. So let's start off here. Let's start off with Colorado's offense against USC's defense. I feel like we've done it the opposite recently, and I feel like this is the most important thing for the Buffs. So let's start when CU has a football going against this USC defense. Like I said, USC has given up 20 a game, and they have 16 sacks so far this season. That's good for fifth in the country. Averaging, obviously, four a game. And that one is very, very concerning to me, considering the Buffs are giving up about six to eight sacks a game. Yeah, right CU's now. allowed 22, the most in Power 5. Yeah. So not a good uh, discrepancy there, not a good matchup on the, line, on the line of scrimmage. If you look at the actual statistics for USC, like not the advanced stats, just the actual stats, they're in the mid-60s for yards allowed, both passing and rushing. So we're not talking about some elite team, as we mentioned, right? We're kind of repeating ourselves now with the defense, but this, this just reiterates the idea that the statistics, the statistics back it up, mid-60s, rushing, passing, both yards allowed. They're just not giving up a lot of points. Not a lot of points at all. They're bend, don't break, and I would consider this to be an improved defense under uh, in their second year under head coach Alex Grinch. Largely, in my opinion, due to a lot of the transfers. You know, last year they maybe weren't the most talented team, they were number one in the country in turnovers, but I don't think the talent was there. And this coaching staff realized that. They went and got transfers all across this defense, and they're showing up this year largely due to those transfers. The secondary of USC against Colorado's wide receivers, even though that secondary is elite, quick, fast, athletic, I believe this is one of the matchups where CU could win throughout the game. Now, the obvious question is, will the offensive line... Pr- provide enough time for Shadur to make these reads and get the ball out of his hands. But if that isn't, if that is a yes, which is a big question mark, these receivers, I don't think are overwhelmed or overmatched. You know, last year, you know, USC had <laughs> uh interesting name, Makai Blackman. I know it stings yep. mm-hmm. that Makai last year, who was such a good one-on-one shutdown corner and he's gone this year. Now, like we mentioned, some of these transfers, I'll admit they did a good job replacing him, bringing two cornerback transfers in from Arizona and Alabama, Overall, I think the secondary is considered to be better than last year's team that, again, finished number one in turnovers. But Colorado's receivers are quick, athletic, and and very versatile. We've got a lot of guys who can do a lot of different stuff. I believe, again, big question here, if Shadur has time, he can find these receivers. This is a legit matchup where the Buffs can win. Uh, Our receivers, their secondary. Yeah, I think the key to this being a matchup the Buffs can win, it goes back once again to that O-line. And not only just the O-line, but schematically. Uh, you know, One of the downsides, going quickly back to the Oregon game, the downsides of watching a game from home is you get such a tunnel vision on what you're seeing, and all we're doing is standing at Shador San- staring at Shador Sanders, holding the ball, not getting rid of it, and getting eaten up by these D-linemen. I felt like, obviously, a lot of situations in that game, that D-line was on him in a heartbeat. But there were several situations where he's backpedaling, he's not finding a guy, he's not getting rid of the ball, he's not doing anything. And as I'm sitting there, I'm going, man, he's just holding it. He's got to get rid of the ball. Uh, it's hard. You can't see what's going on. Are, they, are all these guys covered? Is there anyone open? Are their routes even broken off? Are they even in a position for him to throw it? Right. So I think schematically, there's some things that the Buffs need to do to to really take some of the pressure off of the offensive line. And and like you said, take advantage of your strong point of your offense, which is your receiving core. Get the ball in their hands. Find ways to get the ball out of Shador's hands early and in the receiver's hands, into Jimmy Horn's hand. Let him make a play with the ball. USC, uh, let's get on to the next level of defense here, linebackers. USC has some of the best linebackers in the country. In fact, if you were to break up D-line, linebackers, secondary for this defense, linebackers, no doubt, the most skilled unit. Uh, Phil Steele, who I think does a really good job grouping these position groups together and ranking them nationally, has USC the number nine linebacking core in the country, the only Pac-12 team in the top 20. So that's going to be, you know, and a lot of people, I feel like linebackers get overlooked these days, modern football. We focus so much on pass rush. We focus so much on secondary. Linebackers are going to play such a big role this game because I don't think Colorado is going to run the ball 30 times, okay? No. But but that 
that middle of the field and that speed these linebackers have on USC is going to prove detrimental if these buffs can't get open in, in like the middle part middle part of the field. Maybe I'm thinking more tight ends, right? Uh, uh, Mikey Harrison or or uh, you know whoever you know is going to be down the middle of the field more. But that's a big deal. These linebackers are quick. They're physical. They're fast. They're tough. I feel like I'm doing Dion's thing, fast, tough, discipline <laughs> with character. But that's what these linebackers are. So these linebackers, they have been for a while for USC. Watch for them. Yeah, I think uh, uh, the Buffs can't be shy to run the ball. And I know that they got down early by a lot last week. But you can't, and Dion even said in that press conference, I believe that we just listened to, he said, you can't expect your wife to be a, uh, a good cook if she doesn't know how. You know, So we need to learn how to cook the running game. But you can't get away from it completely. And so what happens, too, is is the opposing defense now gets to pin their ears back. It's a pass rush situation every single down. So schematically, I think they need to move the pocket a little bit. Um, I think Shadur is mostly uh, uh, mostly great at moving the pocket, run, throwing on the run. Um, so I just think they need to move around, move the pocket around, get some, uh, get some uh, confidence in them. Uh, my wife is not the best cook. My I'm the wife. cook in the family, so Ooh, I don't know what she's, she's going to hear. That I, you know, you put that trust out me. There. I don't you're think she'd argue too much. I don't think she's going <laughs> to argue too much there with that one. So, uh, but it's true. I mean, you got you got to learn how to cook before you can make a little sizzle in there. <laughs> All right, um, D line. Let's get onto the uh, USC's D line before moving on to Colorado's defense against USC's offense. USC has a very good D-line. We talked about these transfers. They've got three good transfers who make an impact on the defensive line. And if you look at some of these advanced statistics, I'm really impressed with what USC's done this year. As a unit, they're 18th in the country in win rate. That's essentially how often you have an opportunity to stop a run of uh, three or more yards and you do your job. CU is 76th in that category in the country. Not actually as bad as I thought, 76th, but USC 18th is actually better than I thought. Um Another advanced stat is explosiveness that I like to look at. Uh, USC right there, top 10, along the lines. If, if you kind of break it up and, and cluster teams together, USC kind of falls in that Michigan-Texas uh, category where those are very comparable teams. Colorado is not there. Colorado falls more in like a UTEP, North Carolina type thing. Look, we again, I don't want to like make it seem like CU's this awful team. Colorado's improving. We're all super happy with the progress and the team. It's just when you match up with a top five team in the country, this is the kind of breakdown you're going to get, unfortunately, just based on the numbers. And I think there's a, a the reality we all need to accept is there's a giant gap between being a bottom feeder, one win team <laughs> right. that they were last year and being a top 25 team. Right. There's a huge gap in the middle of that. And CU, I think, finds themselves on the upper half of that, mm-hmm. but probably. Probably not that close to the top, you know, 10, top 15 teams in the country, which is what USC is. They're one of their, they're ranked, what, five right now in the country, according to the AP poll. So they're right there. They are one of the top teams vying for one of those playoff spots. Well, but, but it does come down to the to the line, right? Both offense and defense for CU. And we're just talking about the D-line for USC against Colorado's offensive line. Until CU gets some real five-star athletes, legitimate NFL talent up front, they're not. The ceiling is going to be where the ceiling is for this team. You know, I think the Buffs have a lot of teams they can beat, but it's going to be an interesting matchup this weekend. You know, Ryan said the Buffs need to, to throw on the football. I just don't know if they can. You know, again, to, to, to the th- Dion thing. My point specifically was don't give up on it completely. Right. I mean, maybe at try least try get some more versatile stuff in there. Even like a jet sweep, get the receivers right. involved, get something on the ground. No, I mean, I agree. You can't. You can't be one dimensional. You can't make it so easy on this defense to do what they do. So overall, we need to remember USC is widely considered to be the team in the Pac-12. You know, to make the playoffs, just because you know we have back-to-back weeks of Oregon USC elite competition doesn't mean we're suddenly down on buffs. But if we're being realistic. This game is going to be one of the tougher ones this season. All right, let's get on to Colorado's defense against USC's offense. (laughs) If you want to bet on this game or other college football games, check out betteredge.com. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, like sports better, edge.com. Better Edge does something amazing for everyone out there. They get rid of the VIG. You know that pesky house tax that no one can beat? They've gotten rid of it. So you don't have to have the awkward conversation with your wife every month about losing money. You don't have to stop telling your buddies that you lost that parlay last night start winning more making more when you win and honestly losing less when you lose with better edge online betteredge.com put in promo code buffs when you sign up for a free 20 bucks you don't even have to deposit anything 
You sign up, put in promo code BUFFS, get 20 free bucks, see how you like betting without the tax. That's betteredge.com, promo code BUFFS. All right, Colorado's defense against USC's offense. Whoo, this this defense is going to have their hands full, specifically the secondary, but we'll get there in a sec. Um, I want to get your guys' thoughts on the Buffs and their scheme this year because I like what they've done. Very unique, coming out with three safeties and a lot of looks. I mean, Cameron Silman Craig is playing, it seems, 75 80% of snaps. He's everywhere. So Shiloh Sanders and Trevor Woods on the back end and Cameron Silman Craig kind of playing that like rover all over the field, do anything back. So, two things. One, what do you think of it? Three safeties, how, you know, have you liked it? And then two, what happens this week when Shiloh likely misses the game? Yeah, that's that's going to hurt. I mean, they're not as deep at safety. I mean, I know they have some talent there, uh, but that 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 that's tough. I mean, when when this is your sort of your base defense and a guy that has made a ton of plays, and I, I don't have that right in front of me, but I have to imagine he's uh, among the leaders in tackles for the Buffs this year. So not only his plays in the mm-hmm. passing game, but also what he does in the running game for this team as well. So that's going to be a big hit in terms of schematically. Hey, I got some tackles for yep. you here real quick. So the leader right now in total tackles for the team, it goes Juwan Mitchell, uh, Shiloh Sanders, Trevor Woods. It's top three right there. Yep. And by the way, Cameron Silman Craig is uh, sixth on this list. So. So, so so big time. Now, in terms of schematically, I, I think it makes a lot of sense when you get that versatility. It's something that you're seeing a lot of NFL teams go to, right? Getting more of those kind of safeties in a linebacker-type role and, and putting them where they're always on the field. If, if it's a passing down, maybe they're dropping in, into coverage, dropping deep, maybe on the running downs. They feel confident in those guys, the Trevor Woods, the Shiloh Sanders, the Selman Craigs, to fill the box, to be that guy, that body. So schematically... I I love it, and I think long-term, this is a great approach because I think it allows guys to be versatile and play to their strengths. Yeah, you just got to come with the uh, you know, next guy up mentality. Um, your linebackers are going to have to be strong in the run game, uh, maybe not relying so heavily on, on... When three of the top tacklers on your team are safeties, that's not good. That means that you're not getting guys on the ground early in the play. So, uh, yeah, just next guy up, and, uh, and hopefully they're strong. Okay, uh, buckle up this game because the only way Colorado wins is by scoring. Right, That's why we started with Colorado's offense against USC's defense. You, the Buffs are not going to win this game 28-24. You're going to have to score, and they're going to have to do their best from stopping USC from scoring, but let's be honest, the Trojans are going to get their points. Well, they're going to get their yards. And just for reference, they had probably their worst offensive game this last week and scored 42. <laughs> exactly. Right? So, I mean, this yeah. is a great, great, great offense. Yeah, we mentioned it. USC's number two in the nation in FEI offense, which is essentially efficiency. Again, Colorado in that same staff for defense is 103rd. USC is the number one team in the nation in points per play, points per game, third down, in, or, uh, uh, third down passing yards per game, and they're 24th in the country in rushing yards per game. So it's not like they can't run the football. They do a lot, and they do a lot very well. I think the main thing, obviously, is going to be getting to Caleb Williams, right? Now, this is way easier said than done, but Caleb Williams this year, quarterback for USC, for those who don't know, he will be likely the number one quarterback, probably the number one player taken in the NFL draft, and uh, I was talking to my mom after the CU Oregon game. We were we were sad and talking about the game. She goes, "Boy, this Bo Nix. Is he going to the NFL next year? He looks good." I was like, "Oh, mom, just wait till next week. <laughs> next week is the number He's one. Probably the worst Pac-12 quarterback we'll play this year. <laughs> right? So uh, this season alone, Caleb Williams has seventy-five. Or excuse me, Caleb Williams is seventy-five of one hundred and one. Those are like wow. his completions and attempts." 15 touchdowns, zero interceptions. And again, it's not even close, in my opinion, how much better he is than Bo Nix. In Caleb Williams' entire career, 67% completion percentage, 78 touchdowns, nine interceptions. So that's obviously going to be who you want to shut down for USC. If he gets going, they get going. And the thing that's tough is about it is he is great on the move when he gets out of the pocket. He's great at making plays down the field. I know last year through their uh, you know kind of run at the end of the season uh, towards the Pac-12 championship, they they ended up falling short. But but that's there was a lot of talk of he's kind of a a, a Mahomes Jr. right, Patrick Mahomes Jr. and that style of play, a guy that is very very good when he gets. off 
off rhythm and out, outside of the schemed play. Uh, so just getting after him isn't enough, right? Then he gets out of the pocket. He's actually more dangerous. So getting to him and getting him down, not letting him make those plays outside of the pocket is going to be the key for the Buffs. Well, it's going to be hard to do, though, because look at these... Damn near impossible. Look yeah. at the pass rushers for Colorado, though. It's not like we have some elite pass rush. I mean... What do, where has Shane Cokes been this year? You know, we looked at him as being one of those guys. He hasn't done a lot. Jordan Dominic leads the team with, what, two sacks? He had one great play last week and had, got a good sack out of it. That was about it. Taj Alston has 1.5 sacks, a couple other players with one. But as a team, I mean, the Buffs have to do more. So I'm wondering who's going to do that. And we mentioned this last week on the Oregon show. Now, do you bring pressure from the secondary? Do you bring pressure from the linebacker? Because the more exposure you leave yourself on the back end, you got to get the sack. You got to get him down. Well, Caleb Williams is more, he's more of a scrambler. He's going to keep the play going. Here's longer. what I'll say to that, though. Yeah. And, and I, I, I was pretty outspoken last week on our show that you can't just start blitzing because it leaves you exposed. But it, it ain't working if you're not blitzing. <laughs> you're not covering anyone on the back end anyway. So how much worse can it be? Like, I think you, at this point, you have to start doing something different. You have to start getting creative and confusing the offense. If they know what you're giving them, unfortunately, you know, X's and O's, talent versus talent, they're going to destroy the buffs on defense. So you have to do things to confuse them, to get into their heads a little bit and make him not sure what he's seeing so that maybe he makes a bad decision. Maybe he makes a bad throw that ends up in an interception. I think those are some of the things that you have to do in order to steal some possessions in this game. Who, uh, I want to just quickly uh, give you guys thoughts on the linebacker so far from the buffs. I mean, the linebackers have looked good. I think Juwan Mitchell, uh, who... When, when Juju Mitchell came over and they're like, yeah, maybe he'll get out there week two, maybe week three. <laughs> this is the difference between Cormani McLean and a player like Ju- Juwan Mitchell who studies, prepares, is ready to get on the field. The coaches could trust him. I mean, He's he, also been through it several times. He's he, played at Texas. Exactly. And there is probably a lot to that. But he's matured. He's more he, mature than Cormani. But he got here a couple months. Well, yeah, and, for sure. And let's keep in mind, the, you guys all know, and I think everyone out there listening hopefully knows, and if you don't, how he ended up a buff? He was kicked off of the team at Arizona State. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was dismissed from the team. Now, I don't know the details After behind that. After transferring, I think, from Texas. I Same don't know Texas, the details yeah. behind that and what caused that dismissal. But to know a I guy... I do. It was... Uh, what's her name? Uh, or what's his name at ASU now? Uh, Dillingham. Dillingham. Yeah, it always reminds me of like a weird like a sandwich. But uh, uh, I'll take the Dillingham, please. That the reason is Kenny Dillingham like a is a damage. young coach who wanted to make his imprint. He's an idiot. He walked in. He thinks it's the NFL. He starts booting people left and right. That's why they're so bad. He got rid of everyone who's like. You know, said yeah, a little bit of personality, right? So. Yeah. And, and so, but but to see a guy that was dismissed from a team come on and within a matter of weeks is a, a starting linebacker and leading the team in tackles. I, I mean, this is this is incredible. And exactly to your point, it shows you that how this coaching staff works. Yeah. If you bring it, you come in, you bring the effort, you bring the energy, you're going to get an opportunity. Marvin Ham, Jordan Dominic, Levante Bentley, they've all looked good. And I think Coach Hart deserves a lot of that credit. He's yep. done a good job with these linebackers. Okay, uh, last thing here for the offense. It's going to be that secondary. And this is the unit for CU's defense that's going to have the toughest job of the day. Now, remember, this game starts at 10 a.m. I was going to say of the night. It's going to be late morning. So, uh, But either way, I don't think we can count on one, two, three, get rid of the ball for Williams. Right? One, two, three, get rid of the ball for Williams. Uh-uh. These plays are going to last a while. So this secondary has to be ready. What do we always hear in football? D-line's got a pressure, so secondary doesn't have to chase them all over the field. I don't know if the D-line's going to be able to pressure. I don't know if the linebackers are going to be able to pressure. I think the secondary is going to be running all over the field, trying like hell to cover these receivers and tight ends and running backs. It's going to be a long day for the secondary. So, I mean, buckle up. I mean, just... And USC is deep at the wide receiver core, okay? So looking at their stats on the year, they have no players with more than 13 receptions. Nobody has more than 13 receptions on the year, but they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys with at least eight. So seven guys. And that makes game planning so tough. What do you do? Who do you shut down? Look, when you play the buffs, what's your game plan start with? Well, with Trevor Saunders healthy, right? What does your game plan start? Yeah, you shut him down. You shut down number 12. You stay away from him when you're playing on offense, right? Pretty easy. (laughs) And it doesn't even always have to be a skill position player. When when anyone plays the Los Angeles Rams, who do you think they'll start with? Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald. You got to game plan your entire game plan around one player. USC doesn't have that. It's like, who the heck are you going to stop? And obviously, oh, Caleb Williams. Okay, thanks. Good luck. (laughs) So, 
I'm not saying it's going to be another 42-6 game. I'm just saying the stats aren't lining up to be an easy afternoon. We're just saying it's probably going to be 42 to something. Not saying. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> My three keys to the game. I always like to do this because a lot of shows put in the same three keys every week, and it's all the nonsense and hyperbole and cliche. I want to be very careful, very detailed every week, every show with my three keys to the game. I've got three good ones. Before for this you week. get to that, and yes. I know we always give our score predictions at the end of the game. I'm not going to assume for anyone, but I think us and all the listeners probably know what direction we're going with this. Before you get to these keys, I, I just I want to put this out there that while we probably all think it's not very likely the Buffs come away with a, a victory in this game. There are definitely scenarios and ways the Buffs can win this game. I think you you react and you learn from last week. And again, you steal some possessions on defense. You do some of these things. There are scenarios, and this is why I like, Tyler, that you put together these keys because this is it. This is how, as a team that is a lower caliber team, how you can upset somebody, right? How you can go beat the the big bad wolf. So I think it's, it's, it's important to always know that while we may be sort of sounding a little doom and gloom on the show today, that we're not really giving them much hope or much of a positive outlook, I think we all believe, at least I know I believe in my heart, there is a way the Buffs can win this game. While I don't think necessarily it's going to happen, there are ways if they play the perfect game, they can win this game. I honestly agree. I'm not just saying it because this is a CU podcast and we're fans. We've been going for decades. I'm saying it because I believe, and I and we've seen the magic this year. We've seen them win at TCU. We've seen them beat Nebraska and pull out the win against CSU, and we see upsets all the time in college football. Okay, We see teams all the time that are worse than the Buffs are right now beat teams as good as USC is right now. USC, advanced statistics I know, has the number 71 defense in the country. That provides a few gaps to where Colorado may find success. I agree with Jared. The numbers don't line up. The stats don't line up. This is one of the best teams, one of the best coaches in college football. But we're not going to get on here and just pretend like things aren't how they are. But at the end of the day, there's some kind of magic going on right now in Boulder, and I'm not about to just turn the TV off because we're down by a little bit. So I'm looking forward to it. 10 a.m. kickoff on Saturday. Wear white, and there will be the big noon kickoff as well. So head over to Farron Field if you want for some activities and festivities before. I personally They're just going to have to put a permanent stage there. I know, right? I've been there three times this year. <laughs> so, All right, my three keys to the game. How do the Buffs ever find a way to win at home against USC? I think these three things are the keys. Number one, you're going to need a smart game plan from Sean Lewis. We often talk about our offensive line, skill position players, Shadour. But this week, I don't think it's really up as much to the matchups as we just talked about as it is Alex Grinch... USC's defensive coordinator versus Sean Lewis, Colorado's offensive coordinator. I don't think CU is just going to line up and run for five and a half a run and average, you know, 10 yards a pass, run for 125, throw for 300, and beat USC 31-28. I don't think that's happening in this game. Not yet. We're not there yet as a program, right? And USC has been there for a long time as a program. It's just not realistic. I think this comes down to Sean Lewis and his staff coming up with all kinds of surprises. Versatility. Need to keep USC guessing well into the second half. You know what CU needed last week against Oregon? A fake punt that worked. You know who took the <laughs> fake punt? Oregon did. That's what Colorado needs this week. That kind of stuff, that could, those kind of sparks to get them going. So I don't think it's enough to come out, run some game plan that they've been practicing all offseason. I think twist it up, mix it up, get unique, get versatile. That, to me, is going to be so big. Look, I'm not saying make this a video game, right? I'm saying throw in a few more wrinkles. Throw in a few more things. Throw in a few more formations they haven't seen, right? A trick player, too. I will go as far as to say make this a video game, okay? <laughs> I, I, I really think that's what it's going to take. And, and honestly, for the first time last week against Oregon, I thought Sean Lewis was outcoached. I think he was, he was not – that offense was not prepared and not ready. What they threw out schematically was never going to work. And I hope that they learn from that because you absolutely – could be sure that Alex Grinch in this USC defense is going to be viewing that film, seeing what Oregon did and had so much success. The first team to truly, really have great success against the CU offense, keeping them down all game long. They have to react and respond and change up what they're doing. They have to surprise USC with what they come in offensively. Yeah. I, I think that's very important. you got to have that element of surprise and try and throw that coaching staff a little bit off their game. All right, my second key. It's all about turnovers. Okay, we talk about this a lot. 
if you win the turnover battle, you're going to win right around three-fourths uh, uh, three of the time. And that's just straight up. That's not like against the spread. You're going to win the game. I'm going to make a prediction right now. If Colorado, and I know this is kind of drastic, if Colorado wins the turnover battle by at least three, right? They have three, we have zero. They have five, we have two, whatever. At least. I think this is going to be a very close game in the fourth quarter. Okay, Colorado can't turn the ball over. We got to sustain drives, hold the ball, matriculate down the field, and score. When USC has it, they're gonna gain some yards, but causing that fumble, getting that interception, hell, how big would a pick six be, right? I, so turnovers, I think, is going to be the name of this game. And I don't want to be lazy with this because turnovers impact every game, but I think this game specifically, this is one of the avenues for victory for the Buffs. Create those turnovers and don't give any up yourself. When you look at the scenario with with an overmatched defense, how does an overmatched defense keep up and, and, and allow you well, to stay in the game? How did CSU do it? They cheap shot at Travis Hunter. Well, so. Maybe we should try that. Yeah, you guys right? think that'll work? Cheap shot yeah. someone, hit him after that. Uh, no, but but that's how you do it, right? You steal a couple possessions, you 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 allow your offense some good good field position, good opportunities, but also even more specifically for a team that is not used to turning the ball over. USC does not turn the ball over, right? They, they, they very rarely, as you just pointed right. out, I know you listed all of Caleb Williams' stats. What did you say? Nine, Zero turnovers nine this year. Zero career this year. Yeah. Interception, yeah. interceptions. This is guy is what? Three or four year starter. So that is big. Now all of a sudden you start turning this team over and they get out of sorts. They get out of rhythm. They don't know how to respond because they're not used to being well, in that situation. And it's not just that. It's what goes on in their minds. You start to make them nervous. Now it's the second sure. half. Oh, crap. We're on the road. Are we going to lose this game? Yeah. Is the whole season going to... You start getting start- a little gun shy. Maybe you're not making that aggressive throw that you would normally make exactly. in that position. And that's what doesn't get talked about enough when these games, these situations, it's not just what's happening on the field. It's the uh, the circumstances surrounding it. You know, mm-hmm. We've seen the negative side with Travis Hunter. It's not like Ryan mentioned earlier, earlier in the show. It's not just that the Buffs didn't have Travis Hunter. It's everyone's mentality now knowing yep. the best player on offense and defense is gone. So same thing with USC. If we find a way to... <laughs> can you imagine if the Buffs can take a lead in halftime and what yep. they're going to be thinking and doing? And I mean, that is so big here. But in my mind, it all goes back to turn- turnovers. Right. You can't give it up, and you got to force some. And also, I just wanted to, uh, to add on to your key is... USC is very good on special teams. Um, Zachariah Branch already has one kick and one punt returned uh, for a touchdown. So obviously, make sure that you're not giving USC that extra spark by giving up a huge play on special teams. Very true. What very happened true. with our with our punting crew, man? That first week we had a couple of nice punts, and then this last week against Oregon, man, it was shank after shank. Man, yeah, what the Aussies got a lot back in, man. He's going to get back down under. Right, come on. All right, my last key to the game, and I know this one's a bit ambiguous, but Win the the game. (laughs) (laughs) The players have to believe. And I mean, you don't stand a chance to beat USC if you don't think you can beat USC. And this is about the players, not about us. Because I think that CU as a fan base, we probably don't have the highest self-esteem of any fan base in the country. So something like this happens, and I know I kind of reverted back to old school Colorado football thinking. They can't do that. You know, I was watching one of the well-off videos on YouTube this week, and Coach was saying this. He's like, do you believe? Does anyone here believe we won't win this game? And I'm sitting there thinking, really? Like, if I'm in that room, do I really believe? Like, I'm not raising my hand right now. But And so they have to do it. They got to convince themselves they can do this. If they don't believe they can win, they're not going to win. So I know it's a weird key to the game, but like they have to go in thinking they're going to win, dominate, shock the world, even though what happened last week happened last week. Well, and with the context of what this season has been for the Buffs, right? You are on a national stage in ways that this team, frankly, has never been on. Because when this team was at that caliber, there was no national stage like this. This wasn't the way it is now with social media and everything. So this is the first time ever this team has been on this kind of stage. And for what, four weeks now leading up to this Oregon game, everyone has just said how great you are and how awesome this team is and everything. Now, for the first time, everyone around the country is calling you frauds, saying you're overrated, saying you didn't belong in this, saying you're going to get destroyed. I think they're 21 and a half point fa- uh, underdogs again in this game, right? So, yep, absolutely, it is getting in these kids' heads who you know are on social media. So I, I really do think that that is a big deal for a 19, 20, 21-year-old kid. You have to stay bought in in this game. 
Score predictions. Should we get to it? We end the show every week by giving our predictions in the form of a score. Uh, I, I I was off last week. I let you guys go first, so I'm taking the reins back. I will start this thing. Um, I think that Colorado keeps it close. I think Colorado does force a few turnovers. At the end of the day, I want to get my predictions right. I think it's important for this show and this audience. They know we're being real. We're being authentic. And we're doing the best we can do to be to be legitimate. But there is a magic to this program. And there's something that goes beyond the numbers. Something that goes beyond the data. Beyond what normal teams go through or what the typical team goes through in these situations. So I do believe Colorado will bounce back. I think we see a good showing. I, I think there's a lot of pride in this team. And let's not forget, there is talent that I believe didn't show up last week at Oregon. I think they show up this week at home. I'm going to say Shadour in this offense find a way to score 31 on this defense that does have some holes for, for USC. I just think USC probably finds a way to get more done on their end. I'll take the Trojans to win 38-31 in Boulder. So I, I like it a little bit more in, in USC's favor here. Uh, I, I do think everything you just said, I, I agree with. I think this this bus team shows up with more pride, more energy, and more focus in this first half. I think we're going to see a good back-and-forth first half with a lot of scoring, probably. Okay. Back-and-forth in this Jared first half. Jared take the over? Um, but actually, actually, my score prediction is just slightly on the under because I, <laughs> I think the over-under is like 73 or something oh, okay. like that. It's going to be a track meet yeah, to take so, the under. But I'm just saying 73 is a lot of points to <laughs> score okay and you guys will have to help me adding up my math because addition was never so good in my head um, but I, I just think overall this this defense this D line is going to be too much for the offense I don't think they're going to have enough firepower to keep up with an offense that frankly I just don't think that the Buffs defense can do enough to slow them down I got uh, USC winning 49 28 and if I have my math right I'm just under on the over under on that okay I think we're in the 67 <laughs> range there okay all right, no, good, good job, good pick, good math. Ryan, what do you got? Uh, yeah, just echoing what you guys said. Um, I do think that echo, you, we'll, echo. we'll see a little bit more out of this team. Um, just being at home, uh, I think we'll get uh, more energy from them. But USC's just obviously got the better athletes. Um, so you know, I I got my score: th- USC thirty-eight, Buffs twenty-one. Okay. Okay. Before we sign off. Yeah, I can't do math. That's over. That's 77. <laughs> That's actually 77. We're the taking the over, go. folks. We're taking I, I know somebody. Going, Good math, Jerry. Somebody, somebody was sitting there like adding that up in their car. And I, I honestly just thought you'd get it right. I didn't even add it. <laughs> I mean, so of course you're right. All right, that does it for this week's show. I appreciate everyone listening. Stay tuned. Uh, we'll be back next week. Let's go, Buffaloes. Come on. Find a way to get something done. Find a way to get the win this weekend. Upset USC at home. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Buffs Nation Podcast.